Real Connection. A podcast of real stories that connect us to know we're not alone. A series where you might realise your experience is more common than you think. Hello and welcome to the Real Connection podcast with me, Kelly Payne. Uh, Today we are talking about abusive relationships. We have an incredibly brave woman stepping forward to tell us about her story and her experience within one. Uh, We are going to keep her and everyone involved anonymous for their own protection. Um, You know what? I'm stepping back here. This audio is incredible. Um, She's such an amazing storyteller and I'm just going to let her take us on her journey. So here we go. Real Connection. So, gosh, where to begin? I was making my notes earlier and it was just um, such a such a time to try and figure out what to bring forward first. But I It's a heavy topic. It's a, it's a really heavy topic. I, I thought where to start best would be asking what is domestic abuse? And so, um, according to Women's Aid, the de- they define domestic abuse as an incident or pattern of incidents of controlling, coercive, threatening, degrading, and violent behavior, including sexual violence, in the majority of cases by a partner or ex-partner, but also by a family member or carer. It is very common. In the vast majority of cases, it is experienced by women and is perpetrated by men. So domestic abuse can include, but is not limited to, Coercive control, which basically means a pattern of intimidation, degradation, isolation, and control with the use of threat or physical or sexual violence, psychological and or emotional abuse, physical or sexual abuse, financial or economic abuse, harassment and stalking, or online or digital abuse. So that's sort of cleared up everybody's understanding of like the the technical wording of what abuse is. Mm -hmm. Um, What would be interesting is to hear somebody who's actually been in that position and what it really means to be in an abusive relationship. So please, please start by telling us your story. But can you begin by telling us how the relationship started and how it evolved into abuse? Um, I know you're such a good storyteller. So I'm going to give you the mic. Just open up as much (laughs) as you want to. And then I'll move into asking some more direct questions. Um, So um, take your time. Uh, say what you want to say and then I have a a bunch of questions I can ask you to get into the detail all right perfect yeah I think um, I think it's really important to start from the beginning because uh, I think a big misconception about domestic violence relationships is a lot of people think oh if someone's just horrible to you why are you with them and a lot of people don't understand that there's kind of like a cycle of abuse um, and the way it starts it's it's the ultimate honeymoon phase. So when I met my ex-partner, I had broken up from a previous relationship like near enough a year before that. Um, And I was in, yeah, quite like an insecure place in my life. I'd had a series of like short, very like sexual relationships. And while being desired was nice, I kind of missed that feeling of someone actually caring about me. and when I met my ex-partner, he was the epitome of everything I thought I could ever want. Um, it was very intense. He was very, very, um, he paid a lot of attention to me. He was wanting to know my thoughts, my feelings, my weaknesses, my strengths. 
um, he kind of like mirrored me in that sense. He was like an open book. Um, he told me he loved me within a week. And I know it sounds crazy when you hear it back. You think, what the hell? Like, how, how are you involved in this situation where someone's so intense with you? But when it's happening to you and it makes you feel so incredible, this person puts you on an absolute pedestal. Um, and it's kind of, well, I think it's most girls' dreams really to have somebody that has that level of affection for you um and yeah like I said things were very very intense um I moved in with him very quickly um like within a month which again looking back on it it sounds absolutely crazy but he was he was just so he created this space of absolute love and safety for me that I didn't even question it um and yeah, the relationship was amazing at the beginning. He couldn't do enough for me. Anything I wanted, he used to say to me, you have anything you want, anything you ever need, I'll facilitate it. Like, don't you ever worry. And he did. And yeah, I think very quickly I fell like head over heels in love with this person or what I thought this person was. Um, and then, you know, there were red flags that ultimately I chose to ignore. He'd told me previous uh, facts about his history, which looking back on it were appalling, massive red flags. I ignored that. Uh, the way he spoke to other people, it was very rude, very offensive, uh, very argumentative with like waitresses, members of staff in establishments, um, anybody really. He didn't have any friends or a good family relationship. And he was very negative, but in the same sense, he kind of appealed to my negative part of me he was he hated everything but me and that made me feel so incredibly special and then I think the first time he lost his temper at me it was like a real big surprise like it was over something like really really minimal I think I told him to shut up or something as a joke and he just kind of flipped out and I remember being like really perplexed and then he started crying and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry I shouldn't have upset you and he was like, oh, I just don't ever want to lose my temper with you. I don't ever want to frighten you. And I remember comforting him being like, oh, you never frightened me. Don't worry. And looking back on it now, it's so hilarious that I was comforting someone. Um, and then he, he always told me that he was like obsessive and jealous, which again, I didn't take on board. Um, and then, yeah, very early on, I think the big instance of him being jealous, I'd gone to a friend's house the journey had taken longer than expected, like from like road traffic incidents and things like that. And I got there and he was suddenly very, very suspicious, didn't, didn't believe where I was, rang me up, asking loads of questions, asking to prove where I was. I said that there was traffic incidents. He Googled it and said that there weren't and I was lying. And I just, I felt this massive sense of dread wash over me because here was this person that adored me and that I completely adored and I wouldn't ever want him to think I was lying or have to worry. And he, he just kept saying that he was so worried and that he was upset and couldn't I just come home? And I remember leaving my friend's house and she was like, what's up with you? Like, I've never seen you like this. Don't, don't just rush back, be careful. And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I just have to get back. And I drove back with this massive panic. But then obviously when I got there, he was, oh, it's okay, don't worry and very comforting and I remember crying I remember being like I'm so sorry I don't want you to ever not have trust in me and he was 
very reassuring like I would never think that of you I just had a funny feeling it's not your fault I promise I'll trust you and yeah I think maybe the first five six months there was like a balance of bad and good it always kind of worked out so yeah he'd scream at me and he'd call me names and you know create issues where there weren't issues but at the same time the other half of him completely loved me and made me happy and we had the best best time together and he was my best friend I'd moved town to be with him so I didn't have anybody around me which I think looking back on it he obviously wanted to isolate me which is like a big thing that happens in abusive relationships he was never very happy if I wanted to go home or if I wanted to see my friends um but you know he allowed it well he allowed it of course he, he had to allow it like that's what relationships are supposed to be but yeah so there was periods where he'd yell at me yell at me yell at me for hours on end and at this point I was still kind of in the mind frame of I'm not going to let this man yell at me like who does he think he is so I'd, I'd yell back and I'd like hold my own and we'd have these horrible arguments but they'd always result in me crying and apologizing like he never never apologized and then I don't know it just there was a sudden shift basically I we moved town away from his hometown we moved into a house together and I had no reservations about doing it at all um and we moved in and honestly within like a week or so I just his whole temperament changed everything completely changed like his paranoia amped up so if I got my work shift wrong who was I going to go meet who's just cancelled on me last minute you know why am I because I used to work really early in the morning it's like I'd get up in the morning and be like oh no I got my shift wrong like oops I'm gonna get back into bed and he'd literally be like what the fuck are you doing like who the fuck is just cancelled on you like let me look for your phone now and like it was just it was relentless and like silly things I'd ask him oh like do you think the spaghetti's done it's suddenly are you fucking stupid like are you trying to cause an argument are you trying to wind me up and then he'd just scream at me scream at me scream at me until I would cry and then he'd make fun of me for crying and sort of almost insist that I'd started it and I think a big part of the abuse I went through was me not understanding that I wasn't doing anything wrong like his reason for it was always it's you it's you you're trying to pick a fight you're difficult you've always got something to say why do you always want to fight with me and then I'd say I'm not trying to fight with you I'm sorry and then he'd say we're too late you can't backtrack now you've already started this argument and then him screaming at me turned into um, him being like physical around the house. So he'd punch holes in things. He'd throw things. He'd punch himself in the face and give himself black eyes. He'd self-harm at me. He'd threaten to burn the house down. He'd threaten to kill himself. And the paranoia again, amped up, amped up. I'd wake up in the night. He'd be downstairs going through all my things, going through like, past things that weren't to do with him that were before I knew him and he'd call me a whore he'd say I wasn't the person I made myself out to be that he's disgusted that he's in love with me um that my parents would be ashamed of me if they knew who I really was that all my friends laugh about me behind my back just you know like a lot of a lot of like degrading confidence things and then and then it has started happening in public. So before it was always in the privacy of the home. And while it was embarrassing because I knew the neighbours could hear this man screaming at me, it, it, when it was in the street, it was kind of like a whole different ball game. 
so he'd he'd just attack me in the street he'd switch attack and be screaming and I'd be crying and I'd look around and people would be looking and it's horrifically embarrassing and I'd be there wishing like why why is no one helping me why is no one stopping here but then I kind of see also thought oh I hope no one gets involved because he'd absolutely go nuts at them and I don't want anybody else to get hurt and it got to the point where I wouldn't leave the house because I was so anxious that if I left him in a good mood what if I returned to him not in a good mood um I had a job but he'd he'd ring me at work and just say like you need to come home now if you don't come home I'm coming to your work so I'd have to leave mid-shift and make up lies and excuses as to why I had to go um I never saw my friends really and if I did he would drive me he would sit outside and um like smoke weed probably making himself more paranoid and he'd give me like a time limit and all my friends used to say to me when that's really weird why is he just out there and I'd lie and be like oh no I asked him to I asked him for a lift I don't like driving that much and I just kept so much of it hidden because one I didn't want to make a big deal out of something that I wasn't sure if it was a big deal two I still absolutely like adored the person I thought he was so I kind of didn't want people to know what he was really like. Like it was embarrassing for me. I didn't want people to think bad of him. Anybody, anytime anyone would comment something, which they would a lot, really, they'd say like, "You don't seem happy." He gives me a weird vibe. Like he's this, he's that. I don't like him. I would get very defensive, and I'd be like, "No, no, no, he's great. He's the best boyfriend I've ever had." Blah blah blah. And thirdly, yeah, it was just embarrassing in the fact that I'm. I was always known for being this like smart strong person and here was this person essentially dictating every element of my life um and yeah my parents would say things to me like Robin like he's abusing you because they hear things or I'd ring them after like he'd screamed at me and things and I would avidly defend him no he's not no he's not you don't know what you're talking about it's me it's me like I just make him angry he's just got a temper like he's going to work on it and he promised me all the time he'd you know we're going to we moved i think like six or seven times in the space of our relationship and he promised me every time oh new town new start i promise like i'm going to let you do what you want i promise i'm going to get friends i promise we're going to have the best life together and i would cry and i'd say like do you do you promise like and he'd say of course i do i love you like i want you to be happy and in my heart i knew that he was lying but obviously all i wanted was for it to be true and then i was doubly hurt when a week later he'd suddenly start kicking off at me because I made him toast when he wanted a sandwich or because I didn't butter his bread properly or I took too long walking home so who the fuck was I with um and yeah I think a big part of it was just lying to myself and then I got into a headspace where I just accepted it it's like I forgot that I didn't have to be with this person that someone telling me that I'm an embarrassment or someone screaming at me and telling me they're going to kill themselves because of me or accusing me of sucking every boy's I've ever met or anything horrible like that I kind of just forgot that I had I did have a choice that that wasn't life and I'd convince I tell myself over and over again no one's really happy Robin like this is real life like no relationship's perfect and this man like he cooks for you he drives you around like he does everything you could ever want 
so you just need to accept it and people would tell me about their relationship and i think in my head like oh they're an idiot they just they don't know anything they're just like they're deluded if they think their relationship's going to be this happy for forever and yeah and I just convinced myself that it was fine and that I could tolerate it and it got to a stage where I tell some of my friends like oh he's made threats like if I ever left him that he'd you know kill the person I moved on with and and they would be like do you believe him and I'd say with sincerity yeah I, I believe him and they'd say that's not right that's not right like you really need to think about that you shouldn't be afraid of your boyfriend and I used to be like I've been afraid of my boyfriend for as long as I can remember and I used to say to myself oh the next time he kicks off I'll walk out or, or I'll just wait until he hits me like if he actually hit me then maybe I'd have enough conviction to leave and then of course I'd wait until the next instant and he'd you know he'd raise his fist or he'd get in my face or he'd grab me and he'd laugh at me while I'm on the floor like begging him not to stop and I'd be like oh it's okay because I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave like it's all right and then I'd wake up in the morning and instead of leaving I would just try and love him and try and seek approval and I'd and then sometimes I'd say like oh like can you just apologize to me and he'd look at me and go all right yeah I'm sorry and I don't know why, but I just took that as a good enough apology. And there was a few times where he, honestly, he kicked me out, like, a few times. He was like, you know, get the fuck out, I'm sick of you, like, I fucking hate you, I'm done with you. And I'd stand at the door begging, like, please don't do this. Like, I love you. Or I'd write him, like, a letter, like, he'd kick me out for a few days, I'd come home. And I'd write an apology letter. Like, oh, and I'd write this whole big letter, like, I realised it's my fault, like, I've made you feel insecure. I promise I won't do that anymore. I promise I'll be more sexual with you again. Blah, blah, blah. And he would just rip it up in front of my face and say like, oh, do you really think this means anything? And then tell me to get out again. And I'd have to call my parents because he kept the car. I'd have to call my parents to come and pick me up. Then I'd have my parents being like, oh, you need to not go back this time. And I'd just be like, yeah, I know, I know, I won't go back. And then two days later, I'm like, you need to take me back. I'm going back. If you don't take me, I'm going to get the train. And it was completely deluded. And I'd get back. I think, you know, originally when it happened and I'd leave, I'd come back and he'd be all over me and he'd be sorry. And near the end, he just didn't, I'd walk through the front door and he wouldn't even look at me. And he'd just be like, oh, you're back, are you? And just pretty much ignore me. And then I just wouldn't know what to say because I didn't want to make him angry. And then, uh, yeah, I think the changing point for me was I remember, I remember walking down the road and I thought to myself, like, do you know what? No one knows what's happening to you and no one actually cares. And I don't mean that in like a self-pity way. I mean it in a way that if something horrific was to happen to me, if he killed me, you know, if I killed myself because I couldn't handle it anymore, or if I stayed with him, no one's going to pat me on the back and be like, oh, you did right by this man. You stuck by him no matter what he threw at you. You're such a good girlfriend. People are going to be like, you're an idiot, most likely, or how tragic. And I remember saying to myself, you have no reason to stay. Like, life can be so much better and you need to actually stop caring. You need to actually care about yourself. Like, you need to care about your life. 
and you need to realize that you're not actually in love with this man and he's not in love with you this is some weird abuse created trauma bond and if he actually loved you he wouldn't hurt you and nothing you can do will make him love you so I eventually left which was a difficult process in itself um, I was very conscious of the fact I didn't want to just completely break it off so I moved home um, and kind of slowed contact and then eventually he rung me one day and I just said listen I can't actually do this anymore like I don't want to be with you and he started with his being emotional like please don't do this the typical like begging for me back and then very quickly he just turned I didn't think he could get any more nasty than he was but he just turned horribly nasty like constant constant abuse ringing me off unknown numbers ringing me off pay phones leaving me voicemails emailing me writing me letters texting me like the most disgusting vile things texting my family telling them things that weren't true about me or telling them you know embarrassing secrets about me threatening to expose sensitive images of me threatening to harm me threatening to just come around and hang himself at my house and I had to basically I had to disappear basically I had to change my number change my emails I had to get the police involved but I chose not to go down that route um, just ultimately I should have because it has the continued like stalking and harassment hasn't stopped but at the time it was very fresh and I kept saying to myself, oh, I don't want, I don't want to ruin his life. I don't want to cause unnecessary pain to him. So, you know, he'll just go away, he'll just go away. And yeah, it's dampened, but financially I came back in ruins. I came back in so much debt uh, because of his drug addiction. All of our money went on drugs or like stupid things. And he had complete control over my finances. I did not see one bit of my money he had my card in his wallet. <laughs> so that's how much he had control of it. Um, like, yeah, I came back in absolute debt. I came back absolutely ruined as a person. And he's continued to try and include debt in my name, to be harassing. He's, you know, just the other day, I got a message from one of my friends in a different country saying that they'd got a message off a social media platform under my name saying, that I'd sent them a message, I'm a lying whore. So it's kind of not stopped, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have to face uh, random bouts of abuse than constant everyday mental torture of someone that made me feel so suffocated and so unheard and so depressed that I just saw no meaning in actually enjoying my life and I saw no meaning in myself as a person so yeah that is my story <laughs> no thank you so much I mean like I said I just wanted to leave you to just open up uh, as much as you were willing to about you know your entire mm -hmm. story and you've been incredibly detailed so thank you for sharing that with us all um I, I want to say, you know, a couple of times you did note that, you know, this sounds ridiculous. And you know what, for anyone who genuinely believes that you sound ridiculous, they need to give more research and hear more stories into people who have been in domestically, uh, domestic abuse relationships. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, until, until you really understand or can imagine what it's like to be in that situation, I don't think... Um, 
I don't think you would truly actually believe that any of that sounds ridiculous. Um, you know, a common question that's asked is why didn't she just leave? And I think yeah. in each situation, I think we need to understand each barrier that the survivor has. And that's what you are, a survivor. You know, you don't know how, with, with, with the threats, we can only take the threats as if they were honest. And whether it be emotional, financial, psychological, or even physical threats, um, we need to understand that the dangers of leaving with that, without the right protection or support, 41%, of women were killed by a male partner or former partner in England, Wales and Northern Ireland in 2018, or they had taken the steps to separate from them, um, or they had actually separated. 11 yeah. of these 37 women were killed within the first month of separation and 24 were killed within the first year. So there is an abundance of reasons of why it's hard to leave and why women don't leave. Um, so, if you feel comfortable to, can you describe to me, you know, your single worst day? And was that during the relationship or was it after when you'd realised what, what you'd been through? Um, so I think I can maybe talk about two. So I'll talk about one when we were together and one separated. Um, I think the nail in the coffin for me uh, in really deciding to leave and the day I felt the worst um, was... I was really, really poorly and I hadn't gone to work that day. And I remember just laying on the bed and, you know, he was, he was in a good mood actually, um, probably because I wasn't at work. And I remember he was trying to, you know, touch me and be involved with me. And, you know, during the course of the relationship, my desire to be physically intimate with him, even like affectionate, had really gone down just because of the way he treated me, I guess. And he was trying to touch me and be all over me. And I remember saying, like, please, I'm really, really poorly. Um, can you, can I just lay here? And at first he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then five minutes later, I, you know, back in my space, like, oh, you know, you're just so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. And I remember saying, like, please, please, I'm, I really don't feel well. Look at me, I've got a temperature. I just don't feel well. And I started crying because I, I just felt this sense of, being trapped like being suffocated like just leave me alone I don't feel well like we're having a nice day together for once just let's just watch a movie or something and just you know be at peace and he was he wasn't getting the message and he wouldn't leave me alone and I was crying and he was like oh why are you crying and I sensed like the tone was turning and I remember being frightened like no 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry like you know come here and then he was like oh you know what I think we'll help you I think a shower will help you and I was like, no, no, I really don't want that. Because <laughs> I knew, I knew it wasn't a nice, sweet gesture that he was presenting it to be. It was a way to get me undressed. I said, I really don't want one. I just want to lay here. I think I want a nap. Like, I just want to take some medicine. And he ran me a shower anyway. And he stood at the other end of the room and he's like, get up. And I said, I really don't want to. And he said, get up, come here. And I said, please, I don't want to. And I started crying. And he came over and he pulled me up. And he got me undressed and I was like sobbing. Please, I don't want to go in there, leave me alone. And he was like, no, sure, 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 you're going to like it, you're going to like it. And he put me in the shower and then he got in the shower with me and he was just touching me. And I'm not going to go into like obviously detail, but I was like, please, like, please. And I was crying my eyes out and he just wouldn't stop. And then after like five minutes, he was like, do you know what, fine, fuck you. And got out the shower and he was like, you don't find me attractive. What the f is your problem? Like, you don't 
fucking love me and he just started and I remember crying and I got I was on the floor at this point like please I'm so poorly like please don't have a go at me I'm sorry and he just wouldn't stop and he just went on for hours and hours and I had to just say sorry over and over and over again and I, I used to put my hands together in this weird like prayer like begging position I'll just be there like shaking my hands like I'm sorry I'm sorry please stop I don't feel well I'm really really sorry I love you you know I love you and he just he just wouldn't stop and I remember just I think in the end I think we did we were intimate in the end and I just remember like thinking I felt completely used completely uncared about here I was horny I just wanted someone to like look after me and all he cared about was getting what he wanted he had absolutely no care about my feelings at all and it was just a reinforcement to me like this isn't right this person actually I'm just a piece of fucking meat to this person and they honestly couldn't care how I felt so yeah that was quite like an awful time and then I think when I left there were a few times that were really awful. Um, I think both times when I had to involve the police were pretty awful. Um, it just pushed me to my breaking point. It was like incessant, ringing my family, ringing me, turning up at the house, ringing me off pay phones, like I said, emails, like any way he could contact me, he would. And I just, and it was threats after threats after threats and he'd cycle. So one, one message would be this detailed love poem of how I'm the girl of his dreams and I'm so perfect. And then the next message, I remember it, was like, you're a filthy whore and the only reason anyone ever cares about you because is because of how dirty you are in bed. Like, you're a complete waste of space and a completely useless human being. And I just was pushing my breaking point and he was like, I'm going to come and crash your car into your house. Like, you won't be able to stop me. You remember who I am, don't you? Like, you won't ever be able to stop me. I'm going to make your life a living hell for as long as I live. And I just remember thinking, like, you know, it can't get any worse than this. And, you know, the phrase, like, oh, it's better the devil you know. Like, sometimes people stay with someone because it's weirdly safer. Because at least you kind of know the pattern of abuse you're going to experience. And you've learned, like, you've become so aware of, like, these tiny micro triggers. And you can see, like, you're always on alert. And it's like a horrible state, actually. It makes you really, really unwell because you're constantly on alert and looking for danger. But at least you know, like, okay, like, he's looked at me this way, so that means he's going to kick off. Or, oh my God, I let my tone slip slightly, so he's going to kick off now. Or, you know, the way he's rolled away from me. But just, like, really silly, silly things. Whereas when you leave, um, they're not there. Like, you can't see what they're doing. You can't see their mental state. And their goal of having this absolute power over you works I'm I'm still paranoid now I walk up and down my garden and I think I actually think to myself every time if he was in this garden right now like what would I do like would I be okay or would I just let it happen and that's how these people work they put you through so much psychological trauma and fear that even when they're not there you feel like they can see you and they send you messages like I know everything about you I know where you are you don't understand how much I know and yeah it just serves to reinforce it and I've had breaking points where I've just cried and cried and just be like I don't feel like I'm ever going to be normal like I'm never going to be able to relax 
and I have cameras outside my room like my parents are completely on edge all the time as well when the doorbell rings I shit myself because I think is it him I hear a noise outside my room and I think oh my god is he there there's been times where I've had like a knife in my room just in case and it's just it makes you feel so physically drained that even though you've left this person you're still constantly afraid but as I really want to like reiterate it's so much better to at least be away from this person and take steps to be safe and know that you don't have to endure constant 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 abuse and know that you can get away from them like you will heal and you do have people that do care about you and that everything is going to be okay no it's so brave of you to to share that experience and I honestly I've been riddling my mind to try and find the words and of just comfort and I just don't think there's anything anyone can say except from that you're you're in much of a safer environment now and you know you're you're you now are aware of what you experienced and you know the true tragedy of an abusive relationship and you have people around who are looking out for you and care for you and you know I just want you to know that you know that that does exist and so we've we've come to the conclusion that he he isolated you he blamed you um he threatened you he had control over your finances and so these are all key things that make up an abusive relationship um have you have you seeked any other support other than the 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 brief contact with the police um no so when i was still with him i actually because i'm at university I remember I went to, um, I just, I went to uni one day and I said, I can't take this. And I went to the counsellor there and I completely broke down. And she actually told me, like, you're in an abusive relationship. I want to involve the police. And it was the first time anyone had said that to me. And so it like frightened me. And I remember being like, oh, you know, I came out of there like, yes, feeling better. But it felt very dramatised to me. This person was like, I'm really worried for your safety this is complete abuse. I need to get you out of there. Um, it's not safe. We're going to put in an anti-molestation order, blah, blah, blah. I want you to come back and see me tomorrow. And I remember I, I left and I didn't go back. And But they'd already notified one of my lecturers and she'd called me into the office. And I remember she said like, oh, you know, what's going on? How is everything? And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, you know, um, I think we've worked it out, blah, blah, blah. And then when I actually left my partner, I contacted that lecturer um, and I said to her, look, I need you to know what's going on. Um, this has been happening. Do you remember I came? And she was like, yes, I remember. I remember you saying to me that everything was fine and I didn't know you well enough then to challenge you. I didn't want to push you and say, I don't think it really is fine. And she just basically had this whole conversation with me and she basically told the whole of the university what was happening she got the dean to contact me. Um, so university have been like really incredible. Um, my family have been incredible. My friends have been incredible. Everybody in my life has been absolutely amazing. Um, I did think about going to therapy, um, which is something my friend recommended to me. Um, but I actually feel like I'm in a place where I'm handling it well enough. I think maybe if I'd gone to therapy initially, it would have probably helped a lot more but I think I'm actually at a place where I have so much support around me um that I can kind of manage through the trauma on my own how 
how has it affected you making new relationships now? Are you still, is there still a vulnerability? Is there a wall up? Um, is there a paranoia? Um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one to pinpoint because it's not, it's not obvious. I don't, so I haven't, I have like a new partner now and I didn't meet him and immediately think, oh God, I can't trust this person. Like abuse, abuse, abuse. It's like a lot more subtle. Mm. So I just, I just have a slight, yeah, a feeling of vulnerability that's not quite always so comfortable. And obviously my partner now is miles different um, to my ex-partner and has actually reinforced to me what a normal relationship looks like. And he's obviously complete, he knows everything that's happened. He's completely understanding. Um, he's wonderful in that sense. And I think he, you know, he has expressed, oh, I understand like that you have hesitancy sometimes. I understand that you're going to have anxieties and it's going to take you a while to trust me. And I remember when he first said that, I thought, oh, that's silly. I definitely trust you. I don't think that you're going to cheat on me or anything like that. And I think when most people say trust, they think of trust issues as in like thinking that their partner's going to cheat on them. But I think thinking about it, he was getting at me trusting that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't actively do anything to hurt me. So trust him in the sense that he's not going to do anything terrible to me and that I can believe what he says. Um, it's been like an amazing journey. I kind of got my head together after my previous relationship. And I thought, you know what? No, like I'm a clever girl. I know that isn't what a relationship was supposed to be like. And life is actually wonderful and life is worth living. And you're going to meet someone and they're going to you know, support those views. And I, I'm lucky to have met someone that definitely reinforces to me that, you know, there is happiness to be had and life isn't always so scary and life can be amazing. But yeah, there's definitely, I do have days where when like an incident happens, when my ex-boyfriend reappears and does something horrible, it puts me in this really weird mind frame of, oh, I just want to kind of keep to myself a little bit. And I, you know, keep your heart a little bit safe because remember what it felt like to be absolutely destroyed by someone. But then at the same time, I know to have a happy future, I have to just push past that. Like you can't, I can't put my past on someone else. It's not their fault that it happened to me. And the right person kind of helps you like deal with that trauma and completely understands that you are a product of your environment. You're a product of everything that's happened to you. And yeah, I think like the love of a good person can definitely kind of, undo some wounds that you have so yeah it's it's not ruined love for me thank god no that's fantastic to hear that you're in a much better more healthier um relationship uh we could we could talk for a very long time about what help is out there um but i'll give one source and that is gov.co.uk and they will talk to you they can take you through if you're a friend of someone who uh, is in a domestic uh, relationship or signs to look for what domestic abuse is and how to report it, et cetera, et cetera. So please do reach out to these official websites and, and <laughs> how to how to gain that support. You've you've been absolutely fun, fantastic and so open, and I think you're going to help so many people understand what an abusive relationship is and sort of try and cut that stigma in half of of you know why didn't they leave and what they go through i i had an abundance of questions to ask you directly about and they referred to exactly what a uh, what a domestic abusive relationship is um but you've taken us 
through that story so with such scenarity and detail that um, I don't feel I just want uh, your story and your words to just uh, tell it as it is so thank you so much for sharing and if anybody has uh, any questions or wants to reach out uh, we're not professionals I will stress again but um, we can be a friend uh, to, to hear your story oh yeah I have that email address actually um, so if anybody wants to like write in with a question or just you know like have someone kind of validate how they're feeling um, it's safe so s-a-f-e and then s-i-s-v at gmail.com so it's safe <laughs> s so s for silence is v v for violence at gmail.com real connection wow is literally the only word that i can find what a storyteller um to be a, so brave in order to open up about her story is just incredible uh, you know and the entire intention behind her doing this is literally to try and help others and help under, help people understand what a domestic abusive relationship is and of course they're all different and they'll have key similarities and we spoke about what key factors make up an abusive relationship and you may find that yours is slightly different but it doesn't mean you're not in one um i just want to say that you're not alone people are out there suffering and there is help out there to help you um i'm not a professional i'm not going to sit here and tell you what the best places to go and how to act but um, we just wanted to be a voice for those stories that, uh, you know, are unheard. So thanks so much for listening. And uh, if you have any questions, please do reach out.